CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. Options Action is brought to you by TD Ameritrade, where you gain access to research tools to help you sharpen your trading strategies. Right now in OA, is the consumer rolling over after a strong start to the year? Are we finally starting to see some cracks in the strength of America's shoppers? The names of traders are charged up about straight ahead. Plus, with another big slate of earnings on deck, we are laying out the ways to play a soda giant, a streamer, and a tech giant. And later, looking back at a couple of trades, we're hitting the financials and the transports. All aboard. I'm Melissa Lee. This is Options Action. We're live at the NASDAQ market site on the desk tonight. Carter Worth, Mike Coe, and a special appearance from the general himself. Jeff Mills. We start off with a deeper dive tonight on the consumer after a strong start to the year for so many names tied to travel, leisure, and shopping. This week, the, tra- the trade started to roll over. And next week, on Valentine's Day, we get the CPI report and a number of earnings reports from names tied to the wallets of the consumer. So, Carter, what are the charts telling you? Well, let's take a look. So start with the XRT. It's a great ETF because it is equal weighted. It's about 95 stocks. So you could be Foot Locker or Amazon. You get the same weight, essentially. And look how technical it is. This is the August high when it was declared that the S&P was in a new bull market because we went up more than 20%. This is the high just of a week ago. They are the exact same level. Talk about to the penny. $75.78, $75.79. That is known as a double top. And what we have now, of course, is a break in trend. A break in trend is imminent. Hasn't happened yet, but that's my conclusion. And I would just say what we're really looking at is something along the lines of this, that you're going to have a minor head and shoulders. So XRT to the downside. Let's look at a couple other uh, sort of iterations within. Now, this is the XLY, which, of course, is dominated by Amazon, uh, Home Depot, and others. But similar sort of circumstances. This is a great run-up. And then here comes the trouble. And so we've had our great run-up. And let's put in the red arrow. I think here comes the trouble. Now, one area within consumer that's held up very well is casinos, gaming stocks. And now... We have here is the Russell 3000 Casino and Gambling Index. It's got 30, 40 stocks in it. And what is sort of incontestable is, of course, downtrend to the penny. Downtrend to the penny. And where did it stop and hit its head? To the penny. I think at a minimum, we're going to check back to the 150-day moving average. So seller of this area, which is held up, but I think it cracks the way the others have already cracked. All right. For astute viewers of Fast Money, we all know where the general stands on XRT because that was your final trade, Jeff. It was. Yeah, I, I agree. XRT to the downside just from a technical perspective. And to lean on the fundamentals a little bit, we talked about this during Fast, but I feel like pricing power is ultimately waning for companies, and that's going to impact nominal revenues. That's going to impact their ability to keep people employed. You see weakness in the labor market, and that's going to transition into the behavior of the consumer. One thing we've talked about a lot is pricing power relative to that higher income demographic. So if you look at the highest income quartile, they're actually seeing the biggest reduction in their net worth. So I don't know if that's even part of the argument anymore. So I'd be playing XRT to the downside, as Carter said. Yeah. Mike, where do you stand? Yeah. I mean, it's interesting, of course, because consumers can be pressured by the uh, employment picture and also by their available resources. And what we are seeing is if you take a look at consumer revolving debt levels, which, of course, dipped during the pandemic, people were spending less and they were getting some government checks as well. 
Those are now back at all-time highs, and the interest rates on those revolving balances is probably 200 basis points higher than it was a couple years ago as well. So you put those two things together, I see probably $24 billion in incremental interest expense full year this year alone based on the current balances. That is, of course, going to weigh on their ability to spend. So you put all those things together, and that's a little bit problematic, combined with the fact that, you know, we had seen some valuations come back to reasonable levels, but then when they rebounded, not as much. So I think you put those two things together, and that probably explains some of the activity we saw in the options market. The biggest trade I saw in XRT this week was a bearish one, actually. It was a broken wing put butterfly going out to the March expiration of buyer of 4,000 of the 67 puts sold uh, 8,000 of the 60s. Now, in a butterfly, you're targeting that short strike, and that would basically take you right back. It's probably Carter's job to tell us whether that's uh, an appropriate target over the course of the next several weeks. But it's 60 uh, what the options market is targeting at this point. Wow. All right, let's turn to a couple of hospitality and travel names. First up, Airbnb. That's Sox set to report earnings after the bell on Tuesday. And Carter, you're not expecting some great things from this one. Well, this had a bad day today, but uh, as is so often the case, we can uh, inform judgments by the chart or the chart will inform our judgments. That's a downtrend. That's incontestable, a series of lower highs. And of course, it fails at the trend line, at the trend line, at the trend line. Got there literally this week, hit its head, red arrow. Probably earnings are going to be unhappy. I'm a seller. All right, Mike, would you be a seller? Yeah, I am. And here, too, what's also incontestable is that the biggest trade in Airbnb was also a bearish one. You know, we, we don't make this up. We just take a look at what's actually trading. And the biggest trade in Airbnb this week uh, was a put trade. Now, it was 600 contracts. It may not sound like a lot, but this is a relatively high volatility name. So that was $4.62 a contract, $462 a contract when you factor in the multiplier. So this was a decent outlay of premium uh, on a bearish bet going into earnings. Jeff, what's your take? Yeah, so one quick thing that I think is important relative to the consumer, where are people losing jobs? It's technology. It's some of these higher-end jobs. They have severance packages that are probably going to roll off probably over the next six months. So when I think about services, travel, uh, I think that could end up being a weight on those areas over the next couple of quarters. And I look at an Airbnb rallied 50%. Again, like so many stocks failed at that August high. And for a stock like this trading at 40 times, if we see this increase in interest rates stick, I think it gets dragged lower with a risk-off mentality in the market. Right. Marriott, by the way, is also reporting on Tuesday. Carter, what do you see there? Well, a much sort of sort of calmer name, if you will, lower beta. But uh, what we know is this, that you have well-defined tops at a common level, and the stock, of course, broke out. But as so often the case, sometimes breakouts fail, and I think that's what's happening here. We're going to pivot back to the breakout level. I'm a seller, and if we were to clear all that, watch this. You have a break in trend. Mike? The options market's implying about a 4.4% move. This thing's trading at 22 times, and I don't know why you want to pay a premium in an area like this. Now, their rev pars have held up reasonably well, uh, but, you know, based at least on some of the bookings I've been making lately, I'm not sure that the number is going to continue to go up uh, and surpass those pre-pandemic levels as they have been more recently. Marriott's uh, a higher-end name as well. It's the biggest operator. I think a way you could play this without outlaying too much premium if you're inclined to make a bearish bet on the name is to look out to April, the 170-150 put spread at just over 5 bucks or a little over 25% of the distance between the strikes, which is typically what we like to spend on put spreads like this one. You're risking just over 3% of the current stock price to make a bearish bet. So if you're inclined to follow Carter's technical view, this is a, a way you might consider doing it. 
a lot of what you said about Airbnb might apply to Marriott, except that Marriott probably has a little bit more business travel, a little bit more international exposure. With China opening up, that could boost Marriott as well. Yeah, I think maybe you do a little bit better with a stock like that, again, just because of where its revenue is exposed. But at the same time, you know, I look at a stock like this, it's basically been stuck in neutral for a number of quarters, trading between 140, 180. It's at the top end of that range now. So I'd be looking for a move closer to 140 before I would get involved with the stock. All right. For everything Options Action, check out our website and our newsletter. There's much more Options Action right after this. Coming up, movies, soda, and network analytics? Okay, maybe it's not popcorn, but Paramount, Coke, and Cisco are all on deck to report earnings next week. We have an Options triple feature on how to play them all. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Plus... Calling all Options Action fans. Reach into your pocket, grab your phone, and tweet us your question at Options Action. If it's nice, we'll answer it on air when Options Action returns. Options Action is brought to you by TD Ameritrade, where you gain access to research tools to help you sharpen your trading strategies. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Edinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Options Action. Earnings season rolls on with a ton of big names on deck to report next week. you got tech, travel, staples, restaurant streamers, and more, all gearing up to deliver results. So let's lay out some trades. First up, Paramount. Carter, what does this chart look like to you? Well, this is uh, what you'd call an unmitigated disaster that <laughs> looks to be turning, right? Meaning oh, you're talking about a stock oh, wow. that was silver lining a here. huge uh, bluff. I think it was associated with that hedge fund that went under. Uh, mm. Anyway, and then uh, bearish to bullish reversal. I like the check back to support. Wow. I really thought it was going in a different direction when you started. Because well, <laughs> I mean, I, we, this is something that's down 80%, 90% from its yeah. high, and either is going to make it or it's not. I think it's going to make it. Yeah. What do you think? Well, listen, Carter knows a lot more than I do about the charts, but I'm looking at this seeing a 70% rally now back down below its falling 200 day. So that gives me a little bit of pause. And when I just think about the fundamentals here, you know, this is a streaming story in a lot of cases. And we've talked about this a number of times, but people looking to consolidate the number of subscriptions they have, right? Instead of four, they want three or two or whatever the case may be. I think Paramount ends up being a casualty here. And thinking about the profitability of these streaming services, Paramount is actually ramping up the content spend because I think they have to, where Disney, Netflix, they're talking about reining that back, looking for profitability. I think the market's going to be more friendly to a Disney, to a Netflix, who's managing the streaming service in that way. So I would be more partial to those names versus Paramount. Do the other streamers, uh, Carter, by the way, do, do their charts look any better? Uh, they're all struggling, let's say okay. it that way. But this one, again, I think it's a so bad it's good at this point. Yeah. Um, in terms of the environment, we were just talking on Fast Money about rising rates, Jeff, and, and sort of this risk risk on off is off rally. Yeah this point. So doesn't this all fall into that? Yeah, I mean, it makes me nervous about a Netflix, right? And I picked my sure. Netflix as my Super Bowl ad right. trade. But at the same time, I think you have to think about these things as multi-year stories here, because if you do get a risk-off rally, or excuse me, a risk-off trade, it's going to end up failing at resistance at 400, for example. So I do worry about these names near term, but the profitability story does make me feel better. You know, I think a Netflix, for example, is ramping up that free cash flow story. Um, so it's cheap here if you have a 
three, four, five-year time horizon. All right. Well, we're going to go to Mike now for the trade. He's on the phone. We've had some tech issues. But, uh, Mike, what is the trade here on Paramount? Yeah, I mean, Paramount, I, I hear all the things that Jeff's talking about. I mean, it is trading relatively cheap, and, of course, that makes sense. I mean, their earnings are declining. Their EBITDA is declining. A large part of that is because their expenses have tripled, I think, over the course of the last five years. But there's a little bit of a backstop there in Berkshire's large holdings. They own about 15% of the company. Some people speculate it might be an M&A play. I think if you want to make a bullish bet in Paramount, betting that there is a little bit of a backstop with Berkshire. They had a good story with the Top Gun Maverick movie, and, of course, I think wins beget more wins. You could just look out to May, the 22.5 calls. At $1.90, as a percentage of the stock price, I realize those probably seem relatively expensive, but we need to bear in mind that, you know, this is a company that has, you know, a less than $15 billion market cap, but more than $17 billion in debt. So there's a little bit of leverage embedded in the equity, and that's why you're going to see those higher options premiums. I think they're justified. I am long the stock, though, and I think uh, the May 22.5 calls are a way to make a bullish bet without risking uh, all that money. All right, let's get to a tech name now. Cisco reporting Wednesday after the bell. After some wild moves, the name is virtually flat so far this year. So, Mike, what's your trade? Yeah, I mean, Cisco, this is sort of like Paramount. This is a, a name that actually isn't really all that expensive. You know, there is some enterprise spend numbers that look relatively decent. Here, too, I think you can keep it very, very simple. I was just looking out to April. Uh, the 50-strike calls, those just cost a buck, so we're looking at about 2% of the strike to make a bullish bet, give you some decent time to expiration. Uh, you know, not everything is as cheap as it was, but this is a name that still looks pretty inexpensive to me. You like Cisco, Jeff? I sort of like boring tech, and I went back and looked, and you know what? You would think it, it underperforms during recessions. It doesn't. It's outperformed the S&P during every recession back to 1990, so that was a surprise to me, and I think now, as its revenue mix has evolved, you know, it's 43% or so subscription, so at the same time, uh, I think their revenues are actually more insulated than it was in the past, so I think you could play this to the upside. As Mike said, the valuation's fair, and it has a decent, decent dividend, so maybe some uh, downside protection there. You concur with these guys. I concur. How about that? So it is sort of boring, low, ab, low beta relative to some of the more exciting things. But it has all the elements of a bottom, a bearish to bullish reversal buy. All right. Finally, Coca-Cola, the soda stock down more than 6% so far this year. And the traders think the name may not be bubbling up anytime soon. Co on Co. Hmm. <laughs> what are you seeing? Yeah. Well, you know, despite the fact that it bears my name in a sense, I guess, uh, I'm not really on board with this one. I haven't really been on board with a lot of the staples. And, you know, we've talked a little bit about this. You know, the valuation for a lot of these hasn't been uh, that compelling. That's part of the problem. We're also seeing significant, uh, you know, secular shifts within the space. You know, once upon a time, I think this was, uh, you know, being in the soft drink business in particular was a good place to be. And they have tried to acquire some of the things that are attracting more uh, business now. But I still think this isn't the place you want to be, really, uh, in this environment. I think, you know, you could look out, and the good news is, because it's a low-volatility name, as many of the staple-type stocks are, uh, you could just go out at the April 57.5 puts, a buck and a quarter for those small percentages of stock price. You're not risking a lot to make a bearish bet in case we see a pullback. Carter? Well, Coke has a structural issue. If you just look at its relative performance to the consumer staple sector, mm -hmm. it peaked, you're talking about almost 20 years ago. Uh, the stock here and now is all the elements of a rollover or a bullish to bearish reversal sell. Would you sell? 
I would, and if you're looking for exposure here, I think Pepsi is far more interesting. Oh, I, I've been rather? saying this for myself. <laughs> would you rather? I've been I've been saying for a couple of weeks now. You know, I think the valuation is expensive, but at the same time, investors are going to start to look for that kind of exposure again. Pepsi is clinging to that uptrend, whereas Carter said Coke is completely rolled over. So if you're picking one or the other, Pepsi looks a lot more attractive to me. Yeah. In terms of the charts, would you rather Carter, Pepsi, or Coke? funny. I don't like Pepsi either, but it did, to be fair, uh, have a nice pop on its earnings. I think that will be short-lived. We shall see. Yeah. Uh, Mike, what would get you to change your thesis on Coke? Boy, um, I guess (laughs) it would take a couple of things, right? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, uh, it's going to take a much cheaper valuation to begin with, Mm -hmm. I think. Uh, I would like to see rates come in a little bit to better justify the multiple where we're at. And I would sort of like to see some stabilization in their core businesses. And so you sort of need all three of those, I think, to justify it. Yep. All right. Up next, we're taking a look back on a couple of past trades, what to do and how to do it. Options Actions back in two. Welcome back to Options Action. Last week, we looked at the big run-up in IYT and discussed institutional trades and whether it could last. This week, we're seeing a big reversal here. Carter? What did you see? That's right. So the thinking was at the time it was a little too far too fast. Bad week for transports, down more than 3%. And I suspect there's more downside to go. All right. Um, and way back, way back in December, Mike laid out a way to fade the financials that expired next Friday. Mike, the XLF is about 5% higher since that trade. So how are you managing this one? Yeah, I mean, one of the reasons we use options trades, of course, is to limit our risk. Uh, and this is, you know, a perfect example of that. And, you know, the interesting thing here, of course, is that relative to some other sectors, uh, it actually has been holding up okay. You know, we've just sort of highlighted uh, areas of the consumer that we don't want to own. We're highlighting some areas of industrials that we don't want to own. But I don't really mind owning the things that are outperforming because I'm going to own something. So I'm inclined to just let this one roll off, and I'm not going to re-engage. Yeah. What do you think of financials at this point, Jeff? I feel like they got caught up in the soft landing narrative, and that's why they've done a lot better than I expected. But I don't want to own financials when you have an inverted yield curve, when leading economic indicators are falling. And I think they continue to fall. Uh, And we got some bank lending data. They continue to tighten standards. I just don't think it's a place where you want to be for outperformance this year. How does that chart look, and uh, are there any financials in particular that look worse or better than others? Well, sure. I mean, there are things that are godlike, like progressive. Uh, Godlike. Yes. I mean, it's it's literally up and to the right its entire life. Um, (laughs) There are certain uh, asset managers that look better, but Morgan Stanley, for instance. But the BKX, which is the the big heavy, uh, it's too sensitive. Uh, JP Morgan itself is way overdone. I would expect a big give back there. Are there other financials that are godlike? Uh, progressive might be the most, I mean, you, the you, most could godlike. you can attest to that. This is one of the steadiest, most orderly uh, charts, but also businesses. I don't think there's any yeah. um, insurance stock that's uh, close to that. Mike? Yeah, I mean, the, the critical thing here, one of the things about XLF, of course, is that this is a composite of financials and includes all of those insurers, as Carter mm-hmm. was just talking about. You know, other big uh, financial companies, we don't necessarily think of them that way, include Berkshire, you know, the insurers have been doing exceptionally well. And, and that's one of the reasons why, if you're looking at XLF, uh, you're carrying some of those winners, or I should say those winners are carrying many of the losers around. And that's why I wouldn't want to press a bearish bet in XLF particularly. But if you are looking at the banks, and that could be regionals or the money centers, uh, all of the points that Jeff was making hold valid. And I would target that area specifically if I was going to lean on the short side. All right. Up next, your tweets and the final call.
Welcome back to Options Action. Time to take some tweets. Our first fan asks, what do you think about Macy's? How would you play this? Well, Jeff, you're the man who said short XRT. So how would you play Macy's? <laughs> I think Macy's was a sell for one of my final trades a couple of weeks ago, too. So I do not like the stock here at all. If you look at a two-year chart, for example, that $25 level is clearly key. It failed almost exactly at that level, heading lower. I probably think it continues in that direction. And again, the fundamentals relative to the consumer, the labor market, okay now. I'm not sure it's going to be okay later. Do you approve of Jeff's analysis? Well, he said it failed charts? almost exactly at that level, otherwise known as it failed to the penny. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, you approve, I guess. <laughs> All right, our next tweet asks, the VIX settle, settles above 21. What's a trade on volatility? What's your, what's your take on what the VIX is doing, Carter? VIX is uh, due for a bounce. Not a little bit of a bounce this week, but I think more to come. VXX would be the ETF to use to play on the long side. Yeah, all of the excesses is pretty. That's deep under the pool kind of stuff, I think, in general for most it, it people. Is. Yeah. Mike, what's your take on, on volatility and, and how to trade it? Yeah, I mean, one another way to play volatility, of course, is to say that it's uh, anti-correlated to the market. So puts on SPY, puts on Qs, puts on IWM uh, as a way to hedge or to place bearish bets is, is another proxy for that. All right. Time for one more tweet. This one asks, uh, Google, Google looks good at these prices. What play would you suggest? Calls about three months out or sell some puts around 90. Mike, what do you say? I do like Google, and I would prefer buying calls to selling puts. And actually, for the reason we were just talking about, which is if you think volatility is going to go up or if you think that you're going to see some more downward pressure on equities, calls are a hedged way to be long, and they are very reasonably priced at the current level. All right. Buddy, you got your answer. Uh, Time for the final call now. Carter Braxton Worth, what do you say? You want to be oil long and nat gas long, both. Jeff Mills. I'll just reiterate my caution around the consumer, whether it's XRT, whether it's Macy's. There are so many names failing at those August highs. I think that probably continues. By the way, General, nice to have you on OA. Nice to be here. All right. Mike Coe. Yeah, you know, it sounds very negative, everything we've been saying, but I kind of like Cisco going into earnings, and I think calls are the way to make that bullish bet. Ending on a bright note. All right, that does it for us here on Options Action. Have a great weekend. Back here next Friday, 5.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Have a great Super Bowl weekend. Mad Money starts right now. Options Action is brought to you by TD Ameritrade, where you gain access to research tools to help you sharpen your trading strategies. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts.